0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: There's a ball ripped into left field. This one is sending back, back. This ball is gone and this game is tied. Welcome Logan Foster.
0: Sports Nightly is presented by the MDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. Got your brackets completed yet? You got a little extra time this year instead of the first four beginning tomorrow. Doesn't begin till Thursday, so you got a few more days to analyze, break down. We had callers last week wanting to know where to find some more information about these teams to really immerse themselves. In the bio the bios of these basketball teams, leading scores, strengths, weaknesses. So you've got some more time to do the do the deep dive to get that that perfect bracket put together for March Madness. Welcome to another week of sports honey. Hope you had a great weekend. Kind of a lousy weekend, wasn't it? I mean, rainy, cold, dreary with our friends out in the western part of the state, tons of snow. I-80 still shut down from Grand Island West. My goodness. And it may be for a couple of days that thing shut down. They just said so the parking lots and North Platte, Lexington, Kearney along I-80 are just plumb full of trucks and cars that had to pull off to the side of the road and couldn't couldn't move any further. What a nasty March storm that we're uh, a lot of the states dealing with. But we're glad that you're with us here tonight. Here are the phone numbers. You want to be a part of this one. 531- Five hundred forty-six eighty-six. You can uh, dial us up with a comment or fire off a text on our U.S. cellular text line. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. cellular connecting Husker Nation. Um, odd times. I mean, I, I always like selection Sunday, Ben, but I, you know, the Huskers weren't a part of it. That deletes my enthusiasm a little bit. And, and this has just been such a strange, odd year. And, I'm, I'm a little nervous about this tournament. I, it's going to happen. The tournament's going to happen, but I'm nervous that we're going to have forfeits. We might have a team flying in to fill in for somebody. I mean, you just look at last week. You had two teams bow out early from the ACC. You had Kansas bow out early from the Big 12. I, I guess I'm just nervous how these next couple of weeks are going to go. And, and doggone it. We we lost the tournament a year ago. I wanted something kind of more normal this year, but it's it could still get a little messy here as we move into this thing.
1: Yeah, it sure still doesn't fight quite feel normal, does it? I mean, yeah. it doesn't quite feel like it's the same thing that we're dealing with, right? They post the first four out and the first replacement teams. That's such a strange <laughs> tag to have on a yeah. on a resume banner, but you know it it. It was fun watching the, the selection show. Nick and I watched it from our uh, radio booth in Minneapolis at US Bank Stadium. That was something we got to watch. It was cool. They actually put the last six minutes of the uh, Illinois Ohio State game on the big screen, and uh, Illinois was getting ready to play Minnesota, so their boys were playing catch and screaming and stuff when good good stuff was happening for the Illini. So that was kind of cool to watch. And so you know, we sat and watched the selection show you know, hearing Greg Gumbel's voice kind of go through the brackets, it kind of felt a little normal, but um, still didn't quite feel the same. And and probably because, you know, I, I was a little more unhooked from college ho- national college hoops this year than, than, than maybe some other years. But um, just so strange with the Big Ten only playing conference games, that probably has a lot to do with it, right? I mean, a, a lot of my intrigue comes from those beginning tournaments when – you know, Illinois beats a Duke, and then you're curious how, of how Duke's doing or, you know, Nebraska's playing, you know, some of those other teams. And I know we had a handful of those, conference, those non-con games, but it just it just wasn't quite the same. as This whole season didn't quite feel the same as what it, it normally did. But I have a feeling that, you know, now that the brackets are out, once the games get going, it's going to feel just like March Madness all over again. And I'm really hoping for all the teams involved. And I know there's a couple of them um, in that top left bracket that are kind of dealing with it with – Virginia and Kansas and you know hopefully they just get to play and you know they, they're not removed for the tournament and feel badly for those players so hoping this goes out off without a hitch not entirely positive that's going to be the case but yeah ready for the games to get started I think it's going to be an interesting tournament absolutely well something that is normal is
0: players departing a program at the conclusion of a season right I mean this has become the norm particularly in college basketball. This is really where it launched a couple of years ago. Now it has bled into college football. We had over 1,500 that have, have entered the transfer portal in college football here in the off season. And Tim had this in the ticker, three Huskers today. It started with Ivan this morning putting his name in the transfer portal. And then here within the last hour, Arope and Wood. Uh, Wood, a true freshman from Maryland. Arope, the sophomore from Omaha all exiting the program what do you make of these should these be is this
1: shocking to you what do what do you think of these three departures yeah i mean i think if you were gonna ask me you know my top three candidates that of players that i you know if i had to pick three that that wouldn't be a part of next year's team i think i I think two of these three would have been right there on my top on the top of my list with with ivan and elijah um and I don't know that Nebraska is done with this. I mean, this just all kind of happened today. I think, I think it's to the point now where, you know, I'm remembering, you know, four or five years ago when Nebraska would lose a player and it was big news. And you're like, man, that that's, that's crippling lo- losing one or even two players. You're like, how, how are they going to get, get past this? And it's crazy that, uh, that we're here. And, and, to the point now we're just like, "Eh, all right, nothing. Another one moving on." You know, I saw a former Husker player today that's already onto his second school since leaving Nebraska. So, it's just you hate to just use the cop-out, that's the way it is, but it's the trend that that, that we we're, we're all at right now with college athletics. And, you know, you look at a guy like Ivan, right? It wasn't really hard to see the writing on the wall uh, with how the last 10 games of the season went. He just wasn't getting a lot of playing time and then if you're him, you're, you're, you're looking over your shoulder, and all of a sudden this freshman is getting all the minutes and playing well, and he's probably going, man, I. Derek Walker's already said he's coming back. I've already spent two seasons here. Now, now Eduardo's playing really well. I don't know how many minutes are, are there are for me here. And, and, and Ivan just didn't reach the level of, of improvement that we thought he might from year one to year two. Um, you know, his biggest downfall, Greg, was finishing at the rim. I mean, that that's – he was in position a lot. He did the things he needed to do. He wasn't a good foul shooter. But, you know, finishing at the rim as a big guy is very, very, very important. And when you can't do it and can't do it consistently, coaches can't trust you to put you in there. Um, they can run the right plays. They can get you right there, but they can't put the ball in the net for you. So he wasn't playing. And I don't think that was overly shocking to see him try someplace else. I think – Ivan did everything he could away from the floor to help get him there. He was awesome in the weight room. He was a good teammate. He spent lots of time in the film room learning, you know, what it takes to play basketball at this level. But it just – it wasn't working. It wasn't clicking. And, unfortunately for him, you know, his Nebraska career is is over. And Elijah, you know, you look at it his standpoint, what was the talk all year, right? It was Trey McGowans and his little brother Bryce and – um, you know what what the future of Husker basketball holds, and Elijah's going. Uh, hello, guys, I'm I'm here too. Um, and you know he was a, a garbage time player only, and just didn't see a lot of action. So not overly surprising. I think Elijah's talented enough to play college basketball at the Division One level. I really do, uh, but I don't know how big of a role he had here. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't involved in any of the conversations with him and, his, and the coaches about what type of uh, role they expected next year, but. You know, I think, uh, you know, he probably made the best decision for him, thinking that he'll get more playing time someplace else. So, you know, those two uh, in a rope, you know, that's a tough situation because he was injured all year rehabbing the knee. That the, the, Coach Hoiberg announced that right before the season that he wasn't going to play at all this year. Thought he showed some some nice flashes as a freshman at times. But, you know, again, coming off the injury and, you know, playing time and, you know, I don't know. You know, on paper, you're going to assume Nebraska has a lot of those guys back, and a lot of those minutes are already going to be eaten up. So, you know, maybe they're they're kind of seeing the writing on the wall. Plus, the three newcomers coming in and and thinking to themselves, "I've got a better opportunity someplace else. I'm going to go give it a shot."
0: Yeah, a rope uh, I'm disappointed in because he's what he's a local kid. So you'd like you're rooting for him. You want him to be a part of this thing. From everything we've been told, he's a terrific teammate. If you watched home games. When he was on the bench, he was always up cheering those guys on, had a great attitude, and we've heard Coach Hoiberg say what a great attitude a call has. So I'm disappointed. Hopefully he can go somewhere where he can maybe get be a starter. Uh, I think that's certainly av- available to him. Elijah Wood, and to expand on your point about Elijah, when Teddy Allen left the team, you would have thought maybe maybe Elijah gets a few extra minutes here or there. That, that didn't happen. And when I look at this team and – and that they played pretty good basketball in the last month, none of these three guys were contributing to that. They were, They just weren't. They weren't part of the rotation where this team found a way to play really competitive basketball and win some games. None of these three were a part of that. and it is it's just it is the way it is it's the way college sports is in 2021 you don't play you leave that's what you tell you know you mentioned a, a husker player samari curtis is the young man who announced that he's transferring again he was here a year ago left here is left again jariah horn i saw jariah horn the other night jariah horn was a, a guy that played for tim miles left here for tulsa Left Tulsa for Colorado. I mean, these guys just bounce around a little bit. It's almost like a a pro league in some way. So don't be alarmed by it. I'm not alarmed by it. I I think we kind of knew some of this was coming. It may not be over. There may be another one or two that, that decide that this isn't what they want. And we're still waiting on decisions from Thor and Kobe, whether they want to take advantage of the NCAA rule and come back and get an extra year. This was a freebie for everybody. They both have the opportunity to come back. We'll see what their decision is in the coming week. So, Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com is going to join us here in a couple minutes. We'll get his inside take on that. He uh, is all over that Husker basketball beat, so he's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Ben referenced earlier that he was up in Minneapolis this weekend, Husker Baseball. It was Nebraska's home pod. Why was it Nebraska's home pod? pod you ask well they didn't give anybody a home pod who plays on natural grass surfaces knowing that they're going to get so many games in over a weekend sometimes if you have rain come through a a weekend and it slows things up it's going to really take time to get a field prepared to play so purdue has natural grass their home pod was week one at round rock nebraska with haymarket park and we love haymarket park I love the natural grass surface out there, but because that's what it is, Nebraska's home pod was this weekend up in Minneapolis, so that's why the Huskers were the home team in all four games this weekend. And Ben, I got greedy. I'll admit it, I got greedy after just pounding the Buckeyes on Friday and shutting out the Hawkeyes Saturday. You felt like, boy, you come to the park, you split between Ohio State and Iowa on Sunday, you come home with another 3-1 and weekend. It didn't happen. And Will Bolt's going to be with us for a few minutes in the the top of hour number two, I'm sure he's disappointed, too. Not that they were, you know, not that they were bludgeoned in either game. They lose 6-4, to four, gave up three, two-run home runs to the Buckeyes. Still had a chance to win it. Had it tied in the eighth inning. We heard the highlight to open the show. And then against Iowa, lose a ball in the massive ceiling sun of U.S. Bank Stadium and let a, a pop fly drop that shouldn't have dropped. That led to a three-run inning for Iowa, their only inning that they scored in that game. Still, I'm still fairly encouraged with this team. Now, obviously, something you and I talked about a lot in weekend one, it continued in weekend two, and that's an awful lot of strikeouts for this team offensively, and it started
1: to kind of bite him a little bit as that weekend wore on. Yeah, and I know that's frustrating, Coach Bolt. You know, he they have got to find a way to start getting the bat and the ball with two strikes, you know, and especially from the guys at the top of the lineup that are supposed to be setting the table. And, and, and some of those bats they're they're fighting you know down o2 one two and you know hanging in there for a few more pitches but ultimately losing the battle but I mean that especially that second Iowa game Davitt had two strikes on it seemed like every single Nebraska hitter and it is really hard for for any offense at this level to be consistently good when you have two strikes on you every single at bat the, the, the amount of pressure that's put on you, Is exceptionally difficult and he wasn't making any mistakes with two strikes so that's part of the reason why Nebraska didn't have a hit through five innings and and that was really frustrating to see Um, and I know coach Bolt probably not overly pleased with the at-bats that he saw in that Iowa game now that being said you're right you felt great showing up to the park on Sunday beating Ohio State who had a great first weekend Iowa um, didn't have a great record wise first first weekend against Michigan, but battled the Wolverines and you know you get the first two and you show up you're like okay if we can find a way to get one of these two this is a good weekend I mean obviously you wanted to win all four but you know three and one and three and one that's a great place to start and you know you and I have talked today at, after the Foster home run I, I thought okay this is Nebraska's game you know they they get the big hit to tie it up all the momentum's in their dugout and then. Ohio state right in the next top half of the next inning gets a home run to, to erase all the work that Nebraska had just done. That was really frustrating. And yeah, I mean, who knows what, who knows what happens in that second game of Hallmark and catch that fly ball. And, and it's hard, it's hard to just point all the arrows at Jackson because Nebraska's defense was unbelievable all weekend. They didn't make a single error all weekend. And technically that wasn't an error, but Jackson will tell you he needs to make that play. And that kind of set the tone for the whole inning a walk to follow and then the the stage was set for iowa for a big inning that's what they got uh nebraska tried to fight in the later innings to to get that thing tied up but again just ran into some really bad luck they had a runner on first and hallmark hits a rope right down the right field line right at iowa's first baseman who doubles off the runner and you're thinking dang you know if that guy's playing off the line or you know, we're doing a hit and run or whatever the circumstance may be. That's second and third no outs with the tying run and scoring position. Instead, it's nobody on two outs, and you're down to your last four outs of the entire game. So, you know, just one swing of the bat changed the whole thing. But let's back up, and let's go to the game with Iowa, um, you know, earlier in the week on Saturday. They had a play that they got unlucky on. They, they, One of their best hitters hit a rope down the left field line that would have been worth at least one run, maybe a triple that landed foul by like four inches. So Nebraska got the break on on Saturday, didn't get it on Sunday, and sometimes that's baseball. You just gotta move on and you know, and you know, Huskers will get three more cracks at the Hawks here next weekend.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you, you mentioned that about Jackson because I I don't mean to reference that he cost Nebraska the game. It was just one of those odd things that he didn't see the ball off the bat. The those center fielders were looking back into the wind. Uh, are into the sun and you got a high high ceiling and it's just a different environment he just lost the ball in the in the air landed harmlessly should have been an out it's kind of like losing the ball in the sun when you're playing outside in, in baseball it's just one of those unfortunate things that was the only inning that iowa scored in that game and that opened the door to a three-run inning uh, against the big red nebraska will go to iowa this weekend three games against the hawkeyes and then finally finally Back home, Haymarket Park, Minnesota will come in for four the following weekend. At this moment, still no fans allowed at the games. I don't know. that. I wish I had better news. I don't sense that's changing. I hope I'm wrong. But I don't get a sense from the conference that they're going to change that policy anytime soon. That's not what you wanted to hear, but it's, sometimes i got to be the realist on this show and tell you how it is. One guy never loses sleep joins us now. That's Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com. Great to have Robin with us here tonight. We tried to get Robin on last week after the, the Huskers were dismissed from the Big Ten tournament, but you were out covering some some really good high school basketball out at Pinnacle Bank Arena last week in the Nebraska State High School Championships. That was some pretty good, was pretty good ball you were able to watch out there, wasn't it?
2: It really was. I mean, from start to finish and at all levels. It wasn't just the... Yeah the big, uh, you know, headliner class A games, but, you know, just across the board, it you know, overtime games and buzzer beaters. I mean, it was probably uh, as wild of a state tournament as, as I can remember in some time. And then obviously uh, capped off with that, uh, you know, that great class A final with, some of the best collection of of talent in one game that, that we've seen in, in you know, several years so uh, it was definitely a turnip to remember especially when you add in the fact that there are fans in the stands at pinnacle bank arena it actually felt like a normal basketball game going to it and so that, that that normalcy really put it all over the top
0: yeah fantastic stuff and as you mentioned not only the the guys who are going to go major college in hoops but he a lot of guys who are going to be D1 athletes, whether it be football or baseball or some of those other things. So it was an incredible collection of athletes last week in Lincoln. Well, uh, we wanted to get you on just to kind of put a, a cap on the top of, of Husker basketball. Well, let's start with some news that broke earlier today, and that's the, the announcement that uh, Ivan Udrago is going to go put his name in the transfer portal. Should we be surprised by this, or did you see this coming?
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and especially when you kind of look at how his playing time had regressed over the course of the year where, you know, f- what, four of the final five games he didn't play at all. And, you know, the one game that he did play, he only played 11 minutes. And so, I mean, he, he was kind of getting phased out over the last, you know, six or seven games of the year uh, to where you could kind of see the writing on the wall there where – as much as they like him with you know his his size and uh, you know athleticism it just wasn't really a fit that they they saw working long-term. And so it's probably best for both parties to kind of cut the losses, um, you know, here now and uh, have Ivan go on his way. And we'll see what he decides to do. He decides to stay uh, in the United States and transfer to a different school or if he goes back to France and tries to play professionally over there. Um, he's going to have some options. But with Nebraska you know, having that um, – Additional scholarship to work with certainly allows them the opportunity to go, you know, pan pick somebody off the transfer market, which is going to be as bountiful as ever this off season uh, to to maybe get a better uh, immediate impact piece for uh, to to fit around what they already have in place for next season.
0: Uh, I think I heard this last week, Robin, that there were already 400 some names in the portal. Is that about right? And and where do you think this goes? I know football got to I think over 1,500 here in the offseason. and obviously there's more football players than basketball players. But are we are we talking five, six, seven hundred again in the portal?
3: Yeah,
2: as um, you know, from I think we're right just under about 500 right now uh, as of Monday afternoon, and. I think it feels like I'm probably just uh, exaggerating here but it feels like a hundred of them came today uh, with the how active the the portal has been yeah. uh and so I mean it's just the nature of the beast and it's gotten um you know more and more uh active every year but especially with the looming one time transfer rule uh that's such a game changer and it's really going to just revolutionize college basketball and really all collegiate sports uh, off seasons uh, to where You know, you're basically getting one penalty-free transfer where you don't have to sit out. And so if you don't like your situation or there's somewhere else where you think that you could have a a better opportunity to to play or whatever it may be, uh, there's no longer that hesitation of, well, I have to sit out a year. And so that's going to be what it has been building uh, towards over the past couple years, but then tenfold when you add in that fact. And um, really it's just a green light for anyone that had thought about transferring now is probably going to act on it.
0: Well, and we've seen already with two years of this staff, they're, they're not afraid at all to get in and get involved in that transfer portal. If they if they had a wish list, one, two, three, what kind of players are they looking for, do you think, to add to the mix of the guys in the core that you mentioned earlier coming back? Is it a big? Is it a point guard? What, what, it, what would be one, two, and three maybe on that list for this staff?
2: Yeah, in no particular order. Uh, they could probably make an argument for – to interchange all three of these, but uh, certainly they need a, they need somebody that can play point. Now I don't know if they're going to go get a a true just floor general facilitator point guard uh, because they like to have all five guys be able to score. And so you know maybe someone in the mold of a of a Trey McGowan who you know can can certainly run the offense and and be a, a primary point guard, but is also a legitimate scoring threat. So maybe a a scoring combo guard is is probably right up there uh, on their priority list. Uh, Another wing, you know, maybe some guy that can play uh, in the stretch four type role like Lat Mayen uh, that that they could uh, use for for when Lat graduates after next season. Um, And then obviously you always want bigs and especially losing uh, Ivan. You know, there's a spot in that front court rotation that they could potentially fill with you know whether it's a, a a longer term transfer or maybe just a, an immediate impact, uh, you know one year transfer. Uh, I think they got some options there, but I would probably put a guard, um, especially one that can play the point or, or the two uh, when needed, might be right up there as kind of the, the the higher priority. Someone that can light it up both from the perimeter and also attack the rim. So basically, like I said, they can get another Trey McGowan. Uh, that would probably be ideal.
0: Again, visiting Robin Washington of HuskerOnline.com here, here on Sports Highly on the Husker Sports Network. H- how long do they go before they get a decision from Thor and Kobe about whether they want to take advantage of this free year that the NCAA has passed out of college basketball? Do you think we know that in the next several days, several weeks? What's your gut say?
2: You know, I think with either of those guys, there's no rush. Uh, I mean, because they don't count against the scholarship True. limit yeah. uh, with, with that free year. And so Nebraska, I mean, <laughs> they come back. Hey, you know, awesome. That's a that's a great bonus to have. Uh, you know, one or maybe even two uh, highly experienced players that were you know starters by the end of the year that helped turn uh, the, the course a little bit uh, over those last you know five to six games. And now you got them coming back potentially uh, with zero penalty where you can still continue to build your roster as normal and have those guys as complementary pieces. You know, that, that's a pretty good situation. So I don't think there's going to be any rush. I would imagine both those guys will f- fully evaluate their uh, options and see what is out there for them. At the professional level, um, you know, I'm sure Thor's got plenty of uh, you know options back in Iceland or or wherever. And then Kobe, you know, potentially might want to go play internationally. Uh, but if those options aren't necessarily all that appealing, and they can come back for one more year and maybe further elevate their their pro stock, uh, I mean, Nebraska's is going to welcome back with open arms. So uh, it could be by the end of the week, it could be in a couple months, uh, and really Nebraska is not going to push these guys to, to make a decision one way or another, they're going to let them kind of fully weigh, um, uh, the, the options they have at their hands and, and then make make a as informed of a decision as possible based off that.
0: Robin, how did you feel about the way the season ended for this team and how should Husker fans kind of evaluate what they saw over the last couple of months and then and, and leading into year three for coach Hoiberg?
2: I mean, they were playing their best basketball at the end of the year, but, you know, it still wasn't getting them consistent wins. And so, you know, there's still a lot left to be desired, but the good news is, is despite how frustrating and long and uh, how much adversity this season carried with it, they were still able to get better. And guys still emerged and, and improved on an individual basis. The team played better. Uh, they, they were more cohesive and seemed to have more of an identity, especially on offense. Uh, Over the last, you know, like I said, six or seven games. And so that, I think, uh, at least gives you some uh, substantial reason for optimism that, uh, you know, this is this picture is slowly but surely starting to look the way it's supposed to look. And then especially, like I said, if they bring back uh, the the group that they expect to have back um, next season and you add in the pieces they've added in this 21 class and then whatever else uh, they're able to supplement uh, with any further roster attrition going forward, you know, then like this is going to put them in a a unique spot and that there's actually something there's, there's a foundation for for Fred to build around and these guys have an understanding of, you know, not only what Fred's system is, but what they need to do to be successful in this league and, and how to do it playing with each other and for the last two years it's been a group guys that have never even been on the floor together going into a season and now they're not going to have that now there's a a bounty of uh, experience and senior leadership and guys that you know this is their last run to to try and make it happen that are all going to hopefully uh, be pulling the rope the same direction and um, that's probably as most important as anything and then you have that and then you add in Bryce McGowan's and Wilhelm Breidenbach and Keisha Tomanaga and, like I said, whatever other um, you know pieces get added, suddenly you're starting to really like kind of the potential of what next year's team could be. But I think going through what they went through and getting better, even if they weren't getting the wins they would have wanted, but getting better over the course of the year and playing their best best, best basketball at the end of the season, despite all of that, really, I think, is a, um, says a lot about not only the job the coaching staff was able to do to keep this group together, but the players to keep their composure and, and not give up when they had plenty of opportunities to cash in their chips and just be done with the season. They kept on fighting, and uh, I think it paid off with them kind of starting to, to figure some things out down the stretch.
0: Well said. I, I really enjoyed watching them over the last month or so. I thought it was really entertaining basketball to watch, and hopefully that's a, a jumping off point into 2021 and 2022. Robin, we appreciate it. Uh, hopefully these coaches get a chance to do some on-the-road recruiting. Uh, what, where are we at? We're in a dead period through the end of May, but maybe some signs, maybe some signs of loosening things up June 1st. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it sounds like there, there's going to be a push to make uh, starting June 1 uh, be a quiet period where you could at least have – you know, some on-campus visits, some some face-to-face Good. interaction. Uh, to really, you know, I mean, think about the 2022 class. I mean, they missed an entire cycle of mm-hmm. their uh, recruitments that you know they're not going to get back, and now they're going into their senior years having to make decisions with, without all that information. So this, they, this needs to happen, and hopefully they stick with it. And June 1st, we get back to a little recruiting normalcy.
0: No doubt, Robin. We appreciate it. always great stuff.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Rex. See you later
0: first start and talk some husker baseball with the head coach
4: hey coach how you doing did you uh, make the make the trip home okay last night oh yeah yeah we uh we got home oh probably about 12 30 um ran just drove through a little bit of rain and some some high winds but it, we all made it back safe and uh you know that's the the way it goes with our road trips we're normally rolling in a town about 12 30 or 1 a.m as you know
0: Yep, kind of a late night Sunday night, and then the boys get a little day off, and then get ready to get prepared now for another weekend. What'd you What'd you make of the two two split up in Minneapolis?
4: Yeah, I mean we we got to see a lot of different things, um, got to see a lot of different guys um, get in there and get some opportunities, and um, you know I think certainly we had two really really good starts on the mound. Um, I thought we had. I thought Shea gave us a shot to win, Um, and and certainly Jake Buns, you know, didn't have his best stuff. I felt like they were, um, you know, he didn't have the normal finish on his fastball in the first inning, Uh, but, you know, I thought we, the guys we handed the ball off in the bullpen did a tremendous job um, pretty much all weekend long, and um, continued to play good defense, and you know, we're all just trying to navigate these four-game weekends, um, especially early. Just trying to figure out the right combinations of guys and trying to keep guys fresh. And you know, guys, you know, four nine-inning games and and a weekend's a lot, um, especially for the beginning of the season. So, you know, we're just a lot of positive things. Obviously, we would have loved to have finished the weekend off, um, you know, with a three-and-one or a four-and-zero oh after the two-and-zero oh start. But uh, it was kind of an odd weekend there in the dome. I mean, each. Each doubleheader day, um, you know, all three teams ended up, um, you know, losing both games in the doubleheader. Yeah. So, and, you know, Iowa's a really good team. Ohio State's a really good team. I think team, those two teams are picked at or near the top of the league. I think they're probably as deep and talented as anybody. Um, and just we're all just trying to navigate the, the four-game weekends, the pod plays, the 9 a.m. starts. Um, you know the nine inning double headers and, and and those kind of things.
0: I want to talk about pitching first with you. You're you're, th- you're pitching to a two six six ERA through eight games. That's phenomenal. So talk about the way the guys have thrown it the first two weekends, and and how nice was it to see Cade bounce back for you on Friday.
4: Yeah, like I said, I, I'm really pleased with um, the pitching. If you just look at the strike-out-to-walk ratio. Um, it's really good. We're, we're throwing a lot of strikes, um, and we've—and when we haven't, our guys out of the bullpen have had good enough stuff to get out of some jams. Um, yeah, and, and to see Cade bounce back, I mean, not that he's going to punch out 12 every, every game, but honestly, that's sort of what we've been accustomed to seeing from him um over the course of the last year i think last week was just the our opening weekend it was a bit of an aberration for him a little bit of nerves and maybe some um maybe a little too amped up uh, being a friday night starter for the first time in his career and um yeah I, it was good to see him bounce back we knew he would he's got that he's got that quiet confidence about him he's always very very prepared he's probably one of the hardest workers on our team and um, he's a guy that you just you, you always expect to go out there and give you a shot to win whether he's got his best stuff or not um, but it was great to see him bounce back against a really good lineup keep those guys off balance and uh, you know rack up the strikeouts
0: coach you told us before the season started you you thought you had a really good defensive team my goodness you're fielding a nine nine six clip through eight they've they've delivered what you thought they were. You have to be pleased with that part of the game.
4: Yeah, and we've seen some different moving parts too um, with different first basemen. Uh, Cam Chick got a start at second base. Um, Game two on Sunday didn't miss a beat there. We turned a nice double play or maybe a couple double plays there. Max Anderson's Played a few games at second. E. E-Fry's played the left side of the infield. Um, our catchers have been outstanding. I think they've they've been a huge part of our pitching staff success. Just grabbing them some extra strikes, blocking, giving them confidence that the pitchers can throw the two strike pitches where they need to throw them, um, and that they're not going to let it get through. Um, and then we've made some really good plays in the outfield as well. And just not not really hurt ourselves um, defensively. We had the the lost ball um, in the outfield. We were every single team that played in the dome this weekend had a moment where we, where they would lose the ball um, in the Sun Field in the dome. That's kind of an um, odd statement, but you know that it, it obviously led to a couple of runs there. But I've been very pleased just the focus, the mental toughness that it takes to play defense at a high level like that, especially early in the season when we've you know been nothing but inside. Um, We've we've been very very good at taking care of the baseball, and that's what I told the team on Sunday. It was just we, we just keep showing up and playing defense at a high level, throwing strikes on the mound. Hitting's going to come and go, um, clutch hits are going to come and go at times, uh, but we keep doing that. We're going to give ourselves a shot.
0: Again, visiting Husker baseball coach Will Bolt here on Sports Sportsline. Huskers five and three through eight games will travel to Iowa City this weekend for a three game series with the Hawkeyes. Talking about hitting coming and going, two guys that, that didn't get a lot of playing time. Maybe the first weekend got some more ABs for you this weekend, and and produce. And that's Leighton Banjoff and Logan Foster. What'd you see from them during the week to give them some extra ABs? And then what'd you think of the way they played?
4: Yeah, they they earned those those at bats this weekend, and we, you know, you get on a winning streak, and you you try not to mess too much with the personnel that helped get you there, but also at the same time being very cognizant of the fact that we're going to need all those guys over the course of the season. And and I I certainly didn't want to let those guys go another weekend um, without getting many at-bats. I mean, Banjoff is, is and will continue to be a huge part of our team. Logan Foster is a guy that is a proven track record as a performer in college baseball. And, you know, they just needed to make a few adjustments and both of those guys had good weeks. We had, we faced, uh, you know, our pitchers um, midweek and, uh both those guys had really good at bats, <clears throat> got some hits, barreled some balls up um on, on Tuesday and Wednesday last week. They've they've been great teammates. That that is that's a sign of a good team as well and, and good um internal leadership amongst the players when guys aren't playing and they're not sulking and um you know, pouting and just kinda staying to themselves and going internal. They're they're trying to find seek out ways to help the team win and that's what all these guys have done uh, while well, they've kind of waited their turn, and we always tell them, um, you know, on good teams that's going to happen sometimes. You, you may not get your number called as much as you'd like, but if you're a great teammate and you're prepared mentally, once you do get your opportunity, you're going to make the most of it. And I thought Logan and Layton um, on Sunday gave us some of our better at bats.
0: Leighton was off to such a hot start a year ago when everything got shut down, and we hear the term sophomore slump thrown around sports an awful lot. I don't know if that's what he was going through, but you probably saw enough of him last year, didn't you, to realize this guy's this guy can be a really good college hitter?
4: No doubt. I mean, it was, it was a relatively small sample size in 15 games, and you don't necessarily go by the stats as much as you go by – What is the – what did it look like in those 15 games? I mean, goodness, I mean, the game that got us off the schneid there at Arizona State with his two home runs, the Grand Slam, a lot of clutch moments for us. Um, You realize that guy is not going to get spooked by the big stage. Um, And so, yeah, you you definitely give that guy – Um, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that and he just admittedly wasn't very comfortable in the box opening weekend uh, made some adjustments physically and mentally in a short amount of time which is not easy for you know a 19 20 year old to do is is to kind of flip the switch um, so quickly and that's what I'm really proud of Leighton for and and like I said Logan as well just you know waiting around waiting your turn and and knowing that he's got a ton of college at bats and you know you got to Thing. He's gonna he's gonna come around, and what a huge swing for us there on, on Sunday to tie that game.
0: Yeah, it was. Um, all right, you know, you, you talk about the bright lights, and sometimes you don't know how it's gonna go, particularly when you throw young players out there. You have to be thrilled with what you've seen through eight games from your freshman group.
4: Yeah, for sure, and they just that's what you're look for. And guys is you know are they gonna are they gonna get just kind of overwhelmed by the moment, and we have not seen that at all um sure, they're gonna have their their freshman moments where they may make a mental mistake or they're uh maybe don't know the ins and outs of how uh pitchers are gonna attack them yet um but man it, Max Anderson's off to just a tremendous start, and you know he didn't have a ton to show for it on Sunday, but he still hit probably. Three or four balls right on the screws, uh, with nothing to show for style. You know, he's he's gotten off to a really hot start. I think he's a guy that's going to slug for you. Um, he's going to drive in runs. I'm I'm incredibly impressed with his progress as a high school shortstop to just go over to first base and do it without even really thinking twice about it. He's. He's given us a really steady presence over there defensively. And and Bryce Matthews has played an excellent second base, turned some really good double plays, taken away some hits. And he's driven in six runs um, in his seven starts. Um, So, you know, they're going to take their lumps. They're going to definitely have some freshman moments. But when it comes to just not being overwhelmed and and having some uh, big hits and some big spots, those guys have definitely delivered.
0: Well, usually by March fifteenth, we we've had a home game or two. We got a ton of rain over the weekend. Is your is your diamond going to be ready for your home opener here in about ten days?
4: Yeah, we'll be great. We'll be we'll be in good shape. Our our guys have worked really hard. Um, our groundskeepers have worked hard to you know. First, it was the snow removal. Then it was getting the skin the dirt ready. Um and we we had to tarp on over the weekend. So we'll pull that back tomorrow morning. Um, plan on getting outside. Hopefully tomorrow it looks like we might have some clearing and um yeah, I think the grass will continue to get greener and greener as we as we get some of this rain and the temperatures start to warm up and um yeah, we'll be we'll be ready to rock when we're supposed to play at home.
0: How was it playing in that Dome? You used to go up there when the old Dairy Queen Classic in the Metrodome. Was it a lot different? Maybe it looked kind of like it was a little different configuration.
4: It was a lot different. It was a very unique baseball experience. Um, uh, you know, just the, the configuration of the outfield, um, kind of some of the lines, just giving you almost some optical illusions at times with, with the way the field is set up and, you know, not having the color, the Brown color of uh, dirt there uh, on, on the infield just made it a little odd. Um, The turf played incredibly slow. It makes for a kind of an interesting uh, dynamic from an offensive standpoint. You know, the ball carries pretty good, um, you, don't, you definitely don't get rewarded for hard ground balls on that field. Um, it, it, it's uh, you know you saw most of the run score over the course of the weekend were either home runs, uh, mm-hmm. extra base hits kind of off the, the baggy uh, or bloopers that fell in. There just weren't a lot of ground ball base hits to be had uh, on the field. but, uh, but yeah, it was it was nice we were able to know that we're playing. Uh, the weather wasn't a factor. Obviously, and, and they did a nice job—really nice job—running uh, the event, and, and uh, yeah, it just was something different for us. But um, I think our guys responded well.
0: All right, bus trip over to Iowa City. You played them twice. You get three more with them, and we both games were really competitive. I'm guessing you're expecting the same thing this weekend.
4: Yeah, they're good. They're they're talented, and um, you know they've they've obviously played a, a really tough schedule in this short amount of time. Michigan um it is a really good team and obviously this weekend, um, you know, some of the top teams in, in, in the conference as well and they can really pitch. Uh, they've got veteran offensive players and some of them are starting to get it going a little bit uh, better and they're gonna be very well coached. I mean Rick Heller and his staff always do a great job recruiting, they do a great job of developing. Um, you know, they don't beat themselves very often and yeah, I expect it to be very competitive. Um and it looks like, hey, we may have some some temperatures in the 50s, which I can definitely say I've never seen in Iowa before. So <laughs> let's hope it stays that way.
0: Yeah, that should be good. Coach, we appreciate the time. Congrats on the start. Let's keep this rolling this
4: weekend. Yeah, I appreciate it, Greg. Thanks.
0: The Fighting Illini are the Big Ten champs and delighted to be joined by a good friend of the program, Steve Kelly of the Illinois Network. Steve, great to have you with us. Congratulations. I'm sure there's a lot of celebrating that's been going on around Champaign for the last 24 hours after they cut down the nets. I bet there's some excited Illini fans out there.
3: Well, it's been really good, and it was good that a limited number of fans could uh, get into uh, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, and it was sprinkled uh, heavily with a lot of orange and blue over there with Indy only being a 90-minute drive from Champaign-Urbana. So the the folks are riding pretty high right now. They're getting a little, you know, I've covered Illinois for 40 years. I think they're, they're getting a little... Overconfident at this point because uh, they have already penciling them in for the final four. And I've seen too many things, strange things happen in the NCAA tournament, uh, not only to Illinois, but to other teams as well. But enjoy the moment a Big Ten tournament championship. And for the first time in, uh, in a while, since 2005, with D, Darren, and that gang, uh, Illinois goes in as the number one seed.
0: Well, that, that's some sage advice from you, Steve, about just enjoy the ride, enjoy the moment, and, and as you mentioned, 16 years between Big Ten tournament champions. That's that's phenomenal. When, I think we all thought this team was going to be really, really good throughout the year. Where did it click in for you that you thought this team could make a special run into things?
3: Well, they, they struggled a little bit, but, they, you know, they played a pretty tough non-conference schedule. They lost to Baylor. They lost to Missouri in a game that they – probably should have won, but for whatever reason, Missouri's kind of got Illinois' number the last three years, and uh, then they dropped back-to-back home games to um, Ohio State and Maryland. It was after that that I think uh, things started to kick in. They went on a run where they won 14 of the last 15 games, including seven straight to end the season against, if you go game by game, against some pretty tough competition. They had a a uh, killer uh, stretch there where they were playing every other day there to make up some of those games. And every night they were playing a top-ten team, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin not top-ten, but certainly top-20. And uh, they came away with wins there. So, And Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn were the big things. Andre Corbello, the outstanding freshman, who was a little bit wild in the early going, has settled down to his role. And they're getting contributions from – about eight guys We're not going much beyond eight guys now but uh everybody's kind of figured out their role and uh, they play very well together and it's showing here of late
0: getting busy with steve kelly of the illini network illinois crown big 10 champions yesterday with a 91-88 overtime win over ohio state they now are a number one seed in the midwest regional i don't know that regions matter too much because everybody's headed to the state of indiana to play this tournament but Your thoughts about this whole thing, Steve, taking place in the state of Indiana, and then a little bit about your thoughts about the draw when you saw it unveiled yesterday.
3: I like, you know, I think Indiana does such a good job with events. And you've been to, uh, and your folks have been to Big Ten tournaments, both in Chicago and Indiana, maybe even out east a time or two. I always felt that uh, nothing against Chicago being right here in, in in the state of Illinois, but I always felt Indianapolis did a much better job at the Big Ten Tournaments over the years um, because it was something special for Indianapolis. Um, it's just another event in Chicago when you get right down to it, but Indianapolis is something special. They, uh, they just roll out all the red carpet. They take care of everything, and it's centrally located. And it's handy. So from an Illinois point of view and from a fan point of view, if – if everything was normal and you can get an uh, unlimited number of tickets, there would be all kinds of Illinois fans over there. So I do like it there. Who knows what will happen next? Maybe this will go so well, Greg, that they decide to do that every year and keep it in one place. I doubt it because I think they like to spread the regions around the country. But, you know, from what we've seen in the last year, you wouldn't bet against anything, would you?
0: <laughs> Not at all. All right, Drexel's the, the first opponent. I, I don't know much about them. I know they got an automatic qualifier bid, but I look through this. You've got Houston as the two-seed in that region. If I had to pick a two-seed that I'd want to face, that'd probably be the one I would go get. Uh, I, I like this for Illinois. I mean, maybe I'm falling into that trap that you were talking about earlier. Maybe I'm being a little overconfident, but I like this draw for the Illini.
3: Well, when you look at it, Drexel is only 12-7. and seven. They missed a lot of games because of COVID issues, whether or not it was within their program or not. But they only finished four and five in the Colonial Athletic Association, but they won three games in the tournament to uh, get that automatic bid. So uh, Illinois will be a 20-plus point favorite in that ball game. And then the the 8-9 matchup after that is kind of intriguing, in the fact that Loyola of Chicago, just up the road a, a couple of hours, is in that bracket against uh, Georgia Tech. So... If Illinois wins on Friday afternoon, they would play the winner of the Loyola-Georgia Tech game. So it could be a battle of the state of Illinois, although I think uh, the Ramblers might have a tough time with Georgia Tech. You've got Tennessee, Oregon State, Oklahoma State. Concerns me a little bit uh, with Cade Cunningham. They've got an outstanding team. San Diego State has a great record. I don't know much about them. And then you move on down, as you mentioned, to Houston, And uh, I'd take my chances if I was an Illinois fan against uh, Houston. There's some history there. They're coached by Kelvin Sampson, and there's some history when he was at Indiana, between Illinois and Indiana. But, uh, of course, most of these kids that are be playing in that ball game weren't even around then. But the fans have a tendency of remembering things like that.
0: Steve, you mentioned that, that they opened the gates a little bit anyway to the folks at Lucas Oil over the weekend. I mean, I, I think we those who cover college sports, we've deeply missed the, having the fans at these games throughout this school year and hope to get back to some normalcy next fall. What are they What are they telling Indiana st- supporters, boosters, about ticket availability for the NCAA tournament starting later this week?
3: Well, they're doing that 25% capacity of whatever building – The team is playing in now 25 percent capacity of Lucas Oil Stadium is about 17,500. So that's a pretty good sized crowd for a college game. That'd be like a game at uh, your place or a game in Champaign, Urbana almost, or a game at Assembly Hall in Bloomington. Um, But they're, they're playing in six different venues over there, some of which are pretty small. Like Illinois playing their first game at the Farmers Coliseum that uh, where IUPUI plays Indiana University Purdue University, and the 25 percent capacity there is only 1,700, mm. and they're splitting those 1,700 tickets up among four teams that will play there in the first two rounds. So there's not much of an opportunity early. And then when you see where uh, the teams would play next, if it gets uh, if they get to Bankers Life Fieldhouse and, of course, Lucas Oil Stadium, then that number goes up. So uh, once you get to the final four, I think you're going to have a pretty good crowd in Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, Certainly wouldn't be 70,000 like they might put in there otherwise.
0: Good stuff. It'll be a fun ride. We love this time of year. Illinois feeling good after winning the Big Ten title yesterday and now a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Steve Kelly, great stuff as always. Good to hear your voice, my friend. Take care and enjoy the ride. Always good talking to you, Greg. Thanks for the call. Hey, good show tonight. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this one. Thanks to Ben, to Tim, to Mick, and all of you for being a part of the show. We're back with another full edition for you tomorrow night here on Sports Highly. Be safe out there tomorrow night. Go Big Red.